These lads are mental, recognises the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation as the custodians and traditional owners of Sydney. We pay respect to their ancestors and elders, past and present, and value their continuing connection to lands, living culture, and integral contribution to the bright and inclusive future of this beautiful city that we call home. Welcome to These Lads Are Mental. My name is Gary. And I'm Neil. And our podcast is a lighthearted approach to normalise mental health. So on this week's episode, we have the lovely Jordana Levine. It was an absolute pleasure to have Jordana on the show today. Not only is Jordana a successful blogger and podcaster, she's also author of the best-selling books, Make It Happen, Make You Happen, and Higher Love. But before we start today's show, please listen to our disclaimer. This show is just a group of opinions and is not to be treated as medical advice. If you are struggling with mental health, please speak to your physician or reach out to a service such as Lifeline. Thank you. We kind of just kick in, Jordana. We don't really, you know, have too much of it. Th- those uh, questions are just to kind of keep us on a little bit of a roadmap. But okay, as you'll probably know, we, we just kind of get stuck in, and, and wherever the conversation goes, it goes. There's some conversations that honestly we haven't even got to one of the questions that we predetermined. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> so, so does yeah. Don't don't stress too much. But um, yeah. So we'll we'll kick off the, the official part. But the first thing I was going to say is. You and I have met before mm. on podcast land, <laughs> coincidentally. And gosh, how many years ago was that? That must be. I don't know. I was living in Bondi, so it must have been four, four or more years ago. Wow! Wow! Yeah. And and what's funny is it was also around the topic of mental health, right? Yes, it yeah. was. Yeah, I forgot. For some reason, I don't know. I don't know why. I had a feeling we were talking about Nimbus or something to do with like health. But I remember Mick was on it with me, and that's Mick McGee who uh, was the, on the light bulb in Sydney. And yeah, so we did so it as a duo. It was Neil. We spoke. You and Sue came on and spoke about Nimbus. Right. Okay. And then we did a second one with you and Mick talking about the ball. Right. Right. Yeah. So two podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that seems so so long ago. I can't believe that. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, we never did find <laughs> did anyone listen to it? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <Were> we... <laughs> oh, good. good, good, good. Well, I'm glad to tell you that the light ball Sydney. I'm I'm no longer on the committee, but Mick is and it's still going each year. I mean, COVID has gotten the way. And one of the previous guests on the show actually was the last one. Well, the last one we've aired, David O'Connor, who is, well, he was, his family owned Diona and then the Calibre Group and then Diona again. It's a very long story, but you'll have to listen to the show. Uh, (laughs) He uh, He's committed to a million dollars a year uh, to raise money for not just Batir, which was the mental health charity produced, but I think they're looking at, you know, spreading it out and sharing the love as it were so yeah it's it's still been going all these years later yeah wow very impressive mm. so what's happened since then um tell us a little bit about jordana the author podcaster stand-up um, comic i think we saw <laughs> wannabe wannabe stand-up <laughs> comic you know it's funny right before covid hit it was march 2020 i booked myself in to do a stand-up comedy course it was a 12-week course up in Byron and they cancelled it because of COVID um but I, I wanted to do 
I thought it would be really, really handy to have the skills of stand-up comedy for all the different things that I do. So, you know, podcast hosting, live events, even book writing, you know, just to have that comic timing. But it never happened. It never happened. So we'll see. Maybe one day. Is it on the goals list? You never done the course? No, I didn't. I haven't done the course. Uh, Which is why I'm not very funny. (laughs) (laughs) You you, you and Neil will get along really well. You and Neil will get along. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. wait. I think we should we just cancel the podcast and wait until you've done that course and then, you know. (laughs) Well, it's funny funny you should mention that because I had the same ethos around uh, improv. Mm. And I did do level one improv uh, class, which was like a 10 week um, weekly course, which was amazing. And I had the same idea. I was like, improv, surely if you can learn on your feet and improvise, that's going to be better for you personally, professionally, and business, like conversationally. And it was, it, it was amazing. And, uh, but it was a big commitment. And I think you've got it, I think there's like five levels you go before you're deemed like, you know, let's say qualified. But what was really, what really scared me a bit was, um, I mean, the characters that were in that course were really interesting and uh, not your normal kind of circles, you know, <laughs> which was funny. But I think halfway through our course, we went to see level three and level three is the first time you actually do something live to an audience. Uh. And we went into the center, which is in like Redfern. Uh, it's it's called ITS and they have a little think, studio in there. So I literally went in and there was only like two rows of te- like terrace seats. And so there's maybe 20 people fit in this. So you're right, like literally, you can see like the sweat, like you can with me right now yeah. of those doing it. And I was blown away by, I was like the pressure you would be in there. Because in improv, it's extremely hard because you're not, you're not supposed to be funny. Like it, it, you're not, you know, intentionally supposed to be funny. You're supposed to be funny about what it is that you're, actually doing so the whole idea is like this just continue a conversation which will hopefully be funny in that sense and yeah that kind of put the wind up me a bit I was like oh maybe I'll just bow out <laughs> level one and move on but uh yeah you improv you didn't continue past level one not yes I mean okay. I, I might I, yeah I might dip my toe back into it but even level one was quite challenging I mean to give you an idea one of the exercises <laughs> So you partner up and you'd have three minutes. And so let's say I'd be partner with you, Jordana. We'd have to look into each other's eyes for three minutes. Nah. Yeah. And <laughs> you're, you weren't allowed, you're not allowed to laugh. Like you're yeah. just, they give you a subtle, um, they'd say something like, okay, I want you to hit on these emotions, but you're not allowed to laugh. You're not allowed to talk. You're not really allowed to gesture. You can move your face a little bit and you'd be literally like half a meter away, like just, <laughs> it was so awkward. And I remember another one, you know, you'd be on the ground and they'd give you like an animal. So they'd be like, okay, like cat. So everyone had to go around like being a cat going, yeah. Like, <laughs> it seems actually mental, but. Uh, Gets you out did. of your comfort zone. Oh, well, I think, yeah, the, the whole, the whole point of level one is to, literally break down every single mis or preconception that you have about anything you know because when even when you're waiting to have your go I'm thinking about lines to like oh that could be funny if I say that and that's exactly the opposite of what they want you to do you're supposed to clear your brain and just let go of everything 
yeah. which was like I actually found it like super supportive for mental health generally because I for one um you know overthink things especially with the future like anxiety always plays whereas in there it was supposed to be letting go of all those fears and mm. so yeah it actually is honestly if anyone is thinking about doing something new and struggles with anxiety I actually found it really really beneficial in that regard you know yeah cool and Jude or Danny yourself like with mental health like what we always ask this question to kick off really with, with every uh, guest that we have like what is your perception of mental health if someone said to you right now like what do you think mental health is like what would you say um I guess I can only really draw on my own experience of mental health um and for me it's it's always been this idea of nourishing and nurturing my mental capacity as much as I would my body or you know my spirit so um for me mental health shows up in the form of I would say I'm a chronic overthinker which manifests as anxiety a lot um and as someone who I mean my background's journalism and you've got to be a critical and analytical thinker as a journalist and now as a writer um, but for me, it's all about finding balance within that. And that's the that's what mental health is for me, is finding health and nourishment and balance to our mental state, basically. Cool. That's probably a little bit different from the answers we've had in the, in the past there, eh, Neil. Yeah, no, it is, yeah. We are, we are looking at uh, tallying up everyone's answers just to get that broad spectrum of what people are saying. There are some similarities in some things that people have said, but... No, it's refreshing. Every time we hear something new, it's like, yeah, it's interesting because that's the whole thing around mental health, right? There is no just one label for it. Right. It's kind of like what you make it up to be. And we, our next podcast, which we're airing, is from a comedian called Emma Doran. And she started off saying that, well, I don't really have a mental health story. But as she spoke it out, like, <laughs> we all kind of like, well, she she does, you know. and. Yeah. It just just by having a mental health story like in inverted commas doesn't mean like it's 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 a bad thing you know or you're like you've got a real chronic uh, condition it's like we all have this to a certain certain sense so and um, yeah it's interesting how like all the different perceptions have, have played out really mm-hmm. what about what about your own uh, mental health story jordana have you got one is there anything in your life or is it just sort of been yeah i mean when I was a lot younger, I'm in my late 30s now, when I was in my early 20s, I had really bad anxiety, but I didn't know that's what it was. It was never labelled as anything. And I don't think we were really talking about anxiety openly, you know, 20 years ago or whatever. Um, what I've learned over the last maybe 15 years is that I do cerebrally process everything and it can be very tricky for me to turn off that internal dialogue and a lot of the time that internal dialogue takes me way too far into the future where things haven't occurred yet and that's when it starts to become anxiety for me so it's been a constant challenge throughout my life but I think now that I'm in a space where I can recognize what it is and ask myself questions like okay, like that, that's one outcome maybe, but what's going on right now in the present moment? And, and that's the day-to-day practice for me, staying present, because I do find myself either evaluating, um, you know, reflecting on what's happened in the past and going over and over and over it again, or alternatively, 
coming up with future scenarios that haven't happened yet, just to sort of prep myself for it. So what I've found works is just to maybe recognize both of those things, but ask myself, you know, what's going on right now in the present moment? And are you safe? And is everything okay right now? And, you know, that seems to calm me down quite a bit. Do you have a, a, like a personal process for doing that? Um, yeah, like, again, it's an internal dialogue process. I'm not a big meditator. I'd like to say that I am, but I'm really not. But it really is just having the conversation with myself and saying, okay, is this worry that you're sitting in now, is it the past? Is it the future? Or is it the present? And if it's the present, then it's something I can deal with. And if it's the past or the future, then it's something I need to let go of. Yeah, I think often some people have that um, internal dialogue of asking the question of, is this within my control? Yeah. Again, if it's in the past, there's absolutely nothing you can do about it now. It's like, as you said, what can you do right now? And maybe that's something to be concerned about. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Is there anything, so let's, let's put that into a scenario. Let's say, I don't know, you were doing a book launch in a week's time and you were maybe overthinking that a little bit, going, oh, I'm a bit nervous about that. Um, but you're now in the present. Like, would you... Would there be anything that you would do in on that day, let's say, to help you get to that place next week? Because I know for one with me, I struggled with that a little bit. I was like, oh, I've got that big presentation. And then I'm thinking about it a week before. And then it's like, it starts getting bigger and bigger in my head. Any tips on how to deal with it, like when you are in that present state? Uh, for me, I find um, talking it out really helpful. So talking it out with a trusted confidant of some description, um, whether it's you know my therapist or whether it's a good friend. I find that really helpful because sometimes when I can hear myself say my fears or my worries out loud, um, it gives me an opportunity to sort of um, process them a little bit better or understand them better when I can hear them back. Um, I'm not a big journaler. I don't like to journal, but I do like to write stuff down. So sometimes that looks like a to-do list just to settle my nerves a little bit, or sometimes it's a plan of what could happen if, you know, a scenario played out. Um, and sometimes it's just writing it out so that the thoughts aren't in my head anymore. Hmm. Have you, yes. have you seen the, the Tim, Tim Ferriss does a good TED talk on something similar, how you said writing it down. And I think the example he gives in the TED talk is about leaving, like going traveling for a year and seeing what happens. And he said, obviously, a lot of people aren't happy where they are. They want to go and travel and see the world, et cetera. And it's similar what he says, like, okay, what would happen, worst case scenario, if I go and do this? And he does it in a really simple way. It's definitely, it's like a 10-minute watch, typical TED talk, and it just get three columns of, this is what I'm going to do, what's the worst case scenario and the outcome of that? And he said, most often when you write that out, you realize, none of that stuff is going to really make a huge impact yeah. in most cases. And it does settle you to think, okay, this is all recoverable. Nothing's going to end if I go and make this decision. And then what's the best outcome, of course? Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. But I think writing is obviously now considered old school. I mean, uh, pen and paper. But for me, I can't read off a, a digital. I, I struggle with anything digital. I have to have big A, big A five bits of paper. Eight, three bits of paper, sketch it out. I have to write things out. So he's got something there. Yeah, I have to, I <laughs> have to do it. Otherwise, I don't get anything done. It's, it's, it's strange. It's a strange concept. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's so funny. Like, I think 
it, digital stuff is so new to the human evolution, right? And, yeah, you know, yep. for millions of years, well, not millions of years, but for, you know, hundreds of years before that, we've been writing stuff down, whether it's through hieroglyphics or like actual words. And then all of a sudden to take that part of human evolution and just put it on a screen, it doesn't really make sense, does it? So, I mean, the fact that that's the way that feels more natural to process stuff really seems more logical. Do you yeah. think that maybe change moving forward? I mean, I'm not sure how old you are, Jordana, but I mean, growing up, I don't think, I think the only time I used a computer to do anything was, until I was like maybe 17, 16, was in a computing class, with a computing class. Yeah. I, was, I was like the old Mac, the old Apple Macs from the 90s, Very and you just cute. learned how to use Excel. <laughs> you used how you do Excel. Just Did they have them in Glasgow? Numbers. They had them, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You had to steal them, though. That was part of the course. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, um, I, yeah, you know, you're right. I think for, you know, the younger generations now and, and you know, your baby, Neil, it's going to be a very different thing going forward. Oh, my God. We were, he was, he's starting to roll now. That's his latest thing. So it's, it's almost like every day you can see the, the progression of him, which is awesome. You know, he grinned, now he's smiling. Now he's kind of chatting back a bit. But what was really freaky was he was on the bed the other day. The laptop was there. I know this was by accident, but Sue and I were doing something and he unpaused Netflix and, and then was watching the show. <laughs> so when we came back in, he was literally just staring at the show like this, watching. Yeah. It's I mean, advanced. Yeah, <laughs> I, was gonna say, I feel like that wasn't intentional, mate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he must have rolled and hit it, but it was just the fact that he was like drawn to the laptop. And I've also been doing this where imagine that was my phone. Like, this is how, like, bad it's got, well, bad, good, I don't know. But I was going, like, when I go like this with the phone, his eyes, like, literally follow it. Like, it's insane how attentive. Yeah, know, even, like, a girlfriend of mine had her phone on her the other day. She's got a 10-month-old. And she picked up, like, she knew to swipe with her finger on the phone. Like, it's just, like, this automatic function now. It's so strange. Yeah. Yeah, our friend's daughter was over with us, uh, Annie. She's the most gorgeous little thing ever. She's two and a half. And she's like super smart. Like I was blown away by how switched on she was just generally with everything. And Nick, her dad, was telling me that she's able to fully navigate like Netflix and the shows and what season she's on. Mm. So he, was he was talking about some show like Mo Moana, is there some, one of those ones? And he was, yeah, yeah. he was like, oh, do you want to watch Moana? And he was like, yeah, it's season three, episode four. And he was like, what? <laughs> That's She knew what episode and everything they were on. He was like, isn't that just scary? <laughs> Whereas like, I've tried the digital organized life as well. Like I, you know, the, I downloaded this thing on my screensaver before, like Google has it in G in like Gmail. Then I, we use like different things for Nimbus. We have Airtable and honestly, none of them stick. And for some reason for me, just writing it down on a page. I know this seems really silly. I literally just write out all my things to do, even if it's as trivial as like, you know, post, you know, that letter or whatever. And Sue always laughs at me because she's like, that putting it down on that paper doesn't mean like, like, you know, you've got it planned out. And I was like, well, for me, it does. <laughs> like, I just can't go on to something digital. It just doesn't sink in for some reason, you know? Yeah. Uh, whereas like writing it out, and scratching it off has some kind of like, I don't know, release of endorphins for me. And then Absolutely. three days later, you know, I'll just rewrite that list, but it will be different, you know? So some of the things I've already done don't carry forward. 
And I just continued to do that. And that's kind of how I work. But so Jordan, I'd be interested to know from, again, your career's got a few little strings to the bow. Again, yeah. <laughs> being obviously a podcast and potential stand-up comic, uh, and then obviously the author, etc. So, yeah. I mean, doing all those things for anyone sounds like a lot. Mm. Uh, considering most people probably just have one thing to focus on in terms of career-wise, one job. So in terms of organisation, and bearing in mind, you said you do struggle with anxiety, mm. um, which is interesting to take all that on, struggle yeah. with anxiety and do it successfully. So it's, it'd be interesting. So how, what's your sort of organisational process for your mind? Yeah, uh, I get bored very easily, which is why I think I do so many different things. But in saying that, too much all at once does overwhelm me. So I really do have to plan everything out. Um, when it comes to books, um, writing any of the books that I've written, um, I have very, very, very clear structures of what's going to happen on each day and what part of the book is going to be written before the next part of the book. And I do all of that as a massive mind map on the wall. So it's not on the computer. So there's lots of post-its everywhere. It means I can move chapters around and, you know, sort yeah. of but in a really tangible way. That makes me feel like I'm on top of it. And when I'm feeling overwhelmed by the idea of completing a book, I go back to that wall and I can sort of see it all and it doesn't feel so overwhelming. Um, in terms of balancing everything, doing the podcast, being an author, you know, doing all the other little things that I do, I have help. I have help. I have an assistant who helps me. I couldn't do it without her. Um, and I am a bit of a control freak when it comes to my own work. So it's taken a lot for me to kind of be able to hand stuff over, realizing that it is better for my mental health to, you know, have someone there to support me than to try and do it all on my own. So, yeah, I think, like you said, taking stuff off the computer can be really helpful. Um, and then also, yeah, delegating work when I can. That's a challenge, I think, for most people, delegation. I mean, the introduction of I mean, digital virtual assistants has been massive for a lot of people. But I think there's still that reluctance of, delegating that especially if you are someone who likes to be control in control of what you're doing well well and also i was going to say especially if you have your own thing which let's say all three of us do like we're not when i worked in corporate for most of my life it was kind of easier to delegate because yeah. you know, i'm not fucking yours? doing that yeah i'm not yeah, fucking yeah. doing that job like that fucker can do yeah. it i'm not staying here till six o'clock <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that was kind of your thing and you had all these resources whereas when you own your own thing or run your own thing or it's one, you don't have the same resources, which is a thing. Two, I mean, you having an assistant is probably a testament to your success, you know, because to have that is obviously is great. Um, and then two, it's your baby or babies, let's say in your case, Jordan, yeah. you've got se several of them. So having anyone come in and have their go at it or change this thing, you're like, oh, no, like, you know, you hold on to it for dear life because you think like, no, this is Absolutely. Me. And also it's a reflection of you because I think there's this, you know, um, sort of sense of falsehood out there that everything that I do is done by me, which isn't true. Um, and I think if something's done wrong, then it is a reflection on me, you know, because everything else is happening behind the scenes. So that can be really hard to let go in, in that regard. I thought you were going to say, if, if anything goes wrong, I just blame the assistant. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, she very, she very rarely does anything wrong. But it is always, that's, that is something that actually caused me a lot of anxiety in the beginning. There was this transition process of like, okay, I really need 
to trust you. And if I can't, then there's no point in employing yeah. you. So that was, that was work for me to do. Yeah. And the, the other point to that, I would say, just to go a tiny bit deeper would be that when you get to that point, people are going to make mistakes as well. And because and, I know sometimes we're in that same stage now where we've got staff and they're in different areas. But if someone makes a mistake, often initially anyway, if you're not really progressed in this, in your own like mindset, is you try and take it back, you know? Mm-hmm. So someone does make a mistake and you're like, oh, I'll just do it. And then you end up doing that thing. But you kind of need to let those around you fail, you know, yeah. because it's the only way for them to actually learn and succeed themselves. And yeah, the first few things might be a bit sticky, but in, in, the, in the long run, it's better for you, right? Yeah, agreed. Yeah. So, um, so Dan, I want to talk about, uh, I'm sure you do as well, your, your books. Obviously, being an author is a big part of your career, <laughs> so it'd be really cool for you to, and you can discuss in any way you like which book you start with, but obviously the two higher love and then make it happen. Um, make it happen was the first book I wrote um and it was it was just a weird way that it came about I kind of I'd been teach I'd been running these moon circles in Bondi for a really long time um every month and they were doing really well and I kind of had all this content in my head around the practice of manifestation and I put together a book proposal and I sent it to a publisher and they loved it and they were like great let's do it but we're gonna need the manuscript in eight weeks and I was like fuck that's not a long time to write a book but <laughs> sure because you're not going to turn a book deal d- down right mm, yep. so I I wrote it in eight weeks and I'd never written I mean I'd been a journalist for 15 years but I'd never written a book before and um we it went to print you know it came out the following year and unbeknownst to me and the publisher it did really 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 well it became a bestseller and um that was really exciting I think because I mean for me it was exciting because I'd always wanted to write a book but um the contents of the book really resonated with people and the reason that it resonated was because manifestation had always sort of been seen as this really um kind of woo-woo spiritual concept And I'm not a woo-woo spiritual person at all. I'm quite practical. And so I kind of delivered it in a way that was very um, digestible and relatable for people and and really practical in in the the way that people used it. So that book did really well. And off the back of that, I got offered a second book deal, which is when I wrote Higher Love. And Higher Love was, I guess... uh, it was on the back of make it happen because the manifesting love chapter had done really well. And we were like, let's do a whole book on it. Um, and so it was a dating and relationships book, I guess, but it really was about getting people to reflect on what they wanted from love and how they wanted to feel in love. So that when they did enter the dating scene, they kind of entered as a whole person. Um, but that was a really interesting experience, that second book, because it, was a bit of a flop which was interesting coming off the back of bestseller status with make it happen I think we just assumed that because make it happen had sold so well that everyone was just going to buy higher love and it just wasn't the case um the reviews of the book itself were really good it was a it was a great book and I actually prefer it to make it happen but there was something about people picking a book about dating and relationships off the shelf Mm. that just 
people just weren't doing it. So that was that was interesting for me from a mental health perspective because I'd it's it, you know it's like a band that's done a hit first album and then the second album's a bit of a flop. Yeah. Sort of like how do you how do you come back from that? Yeah, you start second guessing yourself maybe. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then they asked me to do a third book. And I was sort of like, oh, I don't know if I can do a third book. <laughs> you know, like it was, it was, it was hard for me to get myself back in the game, really. Mm. So um, I've done the third book and it's out in May. And I I think for me, I've got this real sort of um non-attached feeling to it because I'm sort of not really sure mm. how it how it's gonna do. Yeah. It's been do you think you found do you think you which I think most people would naturally make it happen with super successful, higher love, not so much, but you're focusing more on the downsides of what higher love was as opposed to how successful you would make it happen. Because obviously you're clearly a good author if that first book was so successful, but it almost that over, is overshadowed now. You're doing a third book and you're thinking, forgetting you actually done a good book. It's just like, oh, I don't know if I've still got this. But it's- yes, it, it, it's been a challenge and I go up and down with it for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I had for a little while, I mean, 2021 was a rough year for a lot of people. It was a particularly yeah. rough year for me. And I did find myself sitting in that fate, well, not failure, but, you know, less yeah. success of higher love than actually celebrating the success of Make It Happen, which three years later still sells really well. So, um, yeah, that has been a challenge. And this this third book is actually a sequel to Make It Happen. So we're sort of hoping that the success translates to it. But, um, yeah, it's kind of, it's, it is sitting in the unknown at the moment. I'm not really sure what's going to happen with it. Yeah, it's what's interesting. It the third book? Sorry, sorry, sorry. What's the third book called? Uh, Make You Happen. Make You Happen. Cool. Yeah. In the present now, <laughs> that, that could be a third of. Um, yeah, it's interesting with relationships because we've done some work with Dan Brophy, who's who did some really good lessons. He's a bit of a girl on relationships and talks about how often other people's shit is projected on you when you're in that kind of dating um, scene. Yeah. But often you then hold that you think there's something wrong with you, and then you go around this vicious merry-go-round of like not good enough that I'm never going to find someone when it's actually someone else projecting their stuff on you and they're probably doing he says that you know they're probably doing it all around town and they're just damaging people left right and center because of their own story and and that can be challenging for people as well and even dating itself is only like really in the last few years become normalized in the sense of like you know you've got like tinder and all those kind of things and now you've got but you, that brought about instant rejection and so it's like that gratification thing has just gone through the roof now and i don't know if you guys have seen it but there's a new show on netflix called the tinder swindler yeah. i watched that, that. I, I, <laughs> oh my <laughs> god but like that's today like this guy i when i watched it, i went on to Instagram and his his page was still there. Like he was yeah. watching this almost live, like we were. This this is not like you know ten years ago, but also just when you're watching the women's stories about this, who are just yearning for some love. You're like you know, he's obviously very they, good at what they were what he's smart doing. women. They weren't stupid women, and I think that was what was most terrifying about that documentary. Mm. You know, like it wasn't like he was pulling the wool over these sort of like really gullible. Yeah. Women who are living in a fantasy land yeah and it wasn't like your typical catfish thing which you know the show was on mtv which was 
you'd see someone be like, what are they doing? Like you yeah. start shouting at the screen going, you idiots. Like surely this person wasn't real. Whereas this guy like, like was a real person. They met him. They were on a jet plane with him. Like he had all the trimmings. Like I was thinking in my head, how on earth? The amount of effort, yeah, well, how, <laughs> the amount of effort to go in to just stage this whole operation. Like God knows how many people are actually part of his team. Yeah. But yeah, as you were saying, these are all like very strong, and I would actually even say powerful women because the reason why I say powerful is because in the end, they band together, and I think the last person who's like filmed as part of it kind of gets one back up on him when she starts setting all his clothes. And we were like, yeah, fucking yeah, get yeah. <laughs> that was good. But yeah, also scary at that same time. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it is a bit of relationships. People are a bit more cagey and yeah maybe it's a bit like i don't want someone seeing me buying something buying a book that's yeah you know. I, think, I think it is i mean look we as the author and the publishers we all sort of stood back and we were like was it the wrong title was it the wrong cover is it the contents like you just ne you never know why something doesn't sell and why something else does really well but mm -hmm. i think um it's interesting having gone into this third book and now i'm writing a fourth book, which is um, a novel, so fiction, which I've never done before, is sort of going in without this preconceived idea of what to expect, because that's what I had when I wrote Make It Happen. I'd never done anything before. So it's sort of going in with this yeah. naivety, which I think served me better than going in with, hey, you know, you can write a bestseller. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's interesting. And then can we, I wanted to ask you about moon circles and then I, I we did, we did find on your profile as well, you're a Virgo, you're a double Gemini with a Virgo moon. Um, could you, could you explain those few things? Yeah. Cause that, they go right over my head. I'm like, what does that mean? Sure. I mean, look, it's, so it's, it's astrology, basically being a double Gemini with a Virgo moon. If you look at your natal chart, all the planets were in certain spots uh when you were born so for me my son the sun was in gemini and the moon was in virgo and i was born just as the sun was rising so on the horizon line that's your rising sign um what it means is basically what we've been talking about this entire podcast episode it's the reason i'm such an overthinker i'm very cerebral because um gemini is an air sign and um Virgo is an earth sign, but it's ruled by Mercury, which is about the planet of communication. So everything for me just happens up in my head. Um, and the, the beautiful thing about astrology, and like I said before, I'm not an overly woo-woo person, but it can give you an understanding of certain aspects of your personality. Um, mm. And in doing that, the strengths and the weaknesses of it. And the strengths are something that you can lean into and the weaknesses are something that you can be aware of and make space for rather than just sort of lean on them as an excuse. So I actually find it really helpful. Um, and when it comes to moon, the moon and the moon circles, I was running them years ago, like I said, in Bondi, because for me, following the lunar cycle, which is a very classic um, foolproof cycle, really helped me with my anxiety because what it showed me was that everything in the universe works in cycles. And in those moments where you feel like you're in darkness, it's inevitable that the light's going to come back in. And that's what the sun shows us. And that's what the moon shows us as it moves through its eight phases every month. So 
in, in coming into the awareness of that within myself, I decided to start teaching it to other people. Um, and again, I bring a very practical approach to it. And that's where Lunar Lover was born. So that's the podcast I have now. Um, and I've got a whole membership around that now with, you know, hundreds of members that follow the lunar cycle every month with me and kind of honour the different phases of it. Wow. What about tying together? And this is just me being curious. Hmm. The astrology side of thing. Yeah. And the, the dating side of things. Yeah. So, I mean, there's probably a few questions in there, but... If there's perhaps yourself or someone else who follows a similar thought process and then you meet someone, do you then, does that then affect, do you think if you then found, say you were dating Neil and then you found out what his moon sign was, his rising was, his sun was, would that then affect the thinking or would it play a part, do you think, or for some people? Um, yeah, I, I, think it, I think knowing does play a part and I think it can be really detrimental to people yeah that's um, what I was thinking yeah, yeah 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 so I um don't ask I try not to ask people about their natal charts anymore until I know them really really well um because I make assumptions about them yeah. and I've definitely dated guys who have a very very compatible chart with me um, and it doesn't work out. And that's because, you know, like we said before, everyone's bringing their own stuff to relationships and their own baggage. And unfortunately, the planets aren't strong enough to make us, you know, whole, complete, evolved yeah. people. So, yeah, I mean, look, it's a nice indicator to maybe understand someone's communication style a little bit better or understand how they process their emotions based on, say, their moon sign. But it's not something you can, like, hold someone to. Yeah. Do you think, is it still true that opposites can attract or what's your theory on something like that? Look, I kind of, I think it's up to the individual. I really like dating someone who's very different to me. I find that really exciting <clears throat> as someone who can get bored very easily. So I do think, like I look for opposites in someone, but there's certain things that you need to be aligned in, right? And that's things like values and communication and you know whatever it is that that you value highly having those things in common is really important but when it comes to you know hobbies and interests and all the rest of it I think yeah I think dating someone opposite to you can be really exciting mm -hmm. it is I mean I think you know the awareness point there is very important because even if it's your menstrual cycle as you or it's a full moon even sometimes like especially with mental health, being aware of something else that's going on, let's say that's out of your control. So mm. like if you do have a bad day in that day and then you can put it down to something like that, well then you, it immediately it kind of takes the sting out of it rather than you trying to go, oh, I'm just in a bad mood again. Um, so that's quite interesting. And like that kind of stems back to psychology as well. And, you, you know, in my case, like my in the first psychologist was about letting go for me like of routine and stuff which I was very like regimented about but I actually ended up I think having a bit of a, a negative effect on me because that was kind of I think what well, it kind of is who I am that's what kind of keeps mm -hmm. me together and whilst letting go in some senses was the right thing to do I think overall as part of a, a, a plan for me wasn't really like the best thing and I'm now seeing a new person who's amazing and what it's only early days with her and um, but what she teaches me is linking the somatic response which is your body and your mind and quite often if you're anxious your mind takes control so you're constantly thinking about things in your mind but actually bring yourself back to earth with a somatic response which is 
I did this thing the other day called spotting, which I've never done before, where she was getting me to regale like a traumatic experience. And as I was doing that, you know, I was getting agitated and she was saying, I want you to, I kept gazing into a certain spot in the corner and she got me to focus on that. But then rather than telling a story, just to feel how my body was. So my heart rate, my hands were a bit sweaty. And I did that for two or three minutes. And when I came back, I was like a completely different person. And I was like, wow, this is insane. It was like a natural high. Um, being able to just bring yourself back into the room and then move forward, you know? So I definitely think there's something there for you to be aware of the moment, especially when your mind is, let's say, taking you places you don't want it to, you know? Absolutely. Okay. Manifestation, Jordana, that's probably a big topic to talk about. Again, obviously your book, Make It Happen, the bestseller, mm -hmm. was highly around manifestation. So, um, I mean, to be honest, I don't know a great deal about that in, in depth, so it'd be cool to hear. Um, yeah. Look, that. I actually think, again, manifestation, understanding the practice of manifestation can be really beneficial to your mental health. Um, manifestation for me, like the most simplified version of explaining it is... Uh, taking ownership of the future you desire. So realizing that if there's things that you want to create in your life, that, that you have the power and the potential to create them yourself. Um, I came up with what I call the manifestation equation, which basically is if you use all four parts of the equation together, then manifestation becomes really easeful. And the equation is thoughts plus feelings plus actions plus faith. And it's sort of saying, okay, what it is, what is it that you want to create in your life? Like, what's your intention? And then setting that intention and saying, okay, are my day-to-day -day thoughts aligned with this intention? Or day-to-day, -day, am I kind of telling myself the opposite of what I think is possible for me? And I think for most of us, we will find that we are in negative thought patterns without even realizing it. So it's being able to flag it and say, you know what, I'm actually going to let that thought go and replace it with a thought that aligns me with what it is I want to create in my life. The feelings part of the meditation, the equation is basically about saying, how will having that intention manifest, make me feel? And can I start feeling those things right now? Um, there's a universal law called the law of vibration. And the law of vibration states that everything in the universe vibrates on its own frequency and that things with a similar frequency are drawn together. So the idea of feeling the feelings that you want to feel eventually, feeling them now anyway, regardless of not having it, will actually attract that thing towards you. The action part of the equation I think is the most simple, but it's something that people struggle with. And that's the role that you play. It's like, well, what action steps are you willing to take to get closer to that thing that you want to create in your life? And so looking at what practical, tangible action steps you can take day to day to get yourself closer to that thing you want to manifest. And then the faith part, which is the last part of the equation, is really about this deep trust in yourself but also trust that you are being looked after by something some sort of force greater than you so I call it the universe but you guys might call it God or you know whatever it might be but this idea that we're not 
doing all of this on our own. And I think the faith piece is important when it comes to the trust you have in yourself, because what I've learned about manifestation is in the areas of our life where we have a low level of self-worth, so when we don't really trust ourselves, we don't really think highly of ourselves, we're going to find it really hard to manifest in those areas. And in the areas of our life where we have a really high level of self-worth, we're going to find it really easy to manifest in those areas. So if you're finding that there's something in your life that you can't bring in, an intention that you can't manifest, it's about saying, all right, do I believe that it's possible for me? And is there a self-worth piece around this that I actually don't think I'm worthy and deserving of it? And sort of starting there. And I think by looking at that, you will soon start to see how things come to you in a more easy fashion. That's pretty cool. So, so the, I think the equation part is it'd be interesting to know, do you all fact from your own experience of talking to people who've read the book, is there certain parts of the equation which people always seem to struggle with? Yeah, I think the last piece, the faith, faith. piece, Faith part, yeah, okay. Yeah, and I mean, I get it. I struggle with it sometimes as well. When stuff's really shit, it's really hard to have faith that it's going to be okay again. But that's where the lunar cycle or any cycles come back into it. It's sort of realizing that everything moves in cycles. And if you're going through this really dark, shadowy moment in your life, you know, this too shall pass. Yep, that makes sense. And with it. With the manifestation, you know, when you go through that process, like, how do you do that? Because, you know, I've tried those gratitude journals before. Well, there was one, Ariana uh, Huffington, I think I, Sue got me that Not one. Not Grande. Not Grande. I can't mind saying this, right, Ariana. <laughs> and she's amazing. She's got a podcast about her voice alone. You can just listen to her for hours. Yeah. And then Sue, Sue got me the journal. And then I opened it up and I was like, oh, fucking hell. I was, you know, like, it, like obviously for for people who love it, I can see it practically. It's amazing. It's got all these little sections. I've got gratitude of the day. What I said to myself, the minute I picked up that book, there's no way I'm going to, like, use this every mm. day. So how do you go through the manifestation process? And, you know, for anyone that, let's say, doesn't like that kind of detail, like, yeah. journaling, how do they get through it? Yeah, I mean, look, I have been doing it for so long now that it's just a process that I do without having to write it down. I just am like, well, are my thoughts aligned with it? Am I feeling how I want to feel? What action steps have I taken? And do I trust and believe that this is possible for me? So there is no process anymore. It's just oh, okay. So, so you don't have to, thinking. yeah, you don't you don't have to write anything down. You can just do this in your own thinking. Yeah. Yes, but when you're first starting out, I do think writing down the intention is a really good place to start. Um, and that's something I think that works really well if you if you write it in the present tense. So starting with I am or I feel and just writing, it's just one sentence you have to write down and then looking at it and saying, okay, so can I start to align my thoughts with this intention? What feelings will I feel when it manifests and can I start feeling them now? What action steps can I take this week or today? to get closer to it and where like where's my self-worth and trust sitting around this you know and it's as simple as that so yeah it's not a big journaling exercise if you don't need it to be but the the thing that we do in lunar lover is we set our intentions every new moon and then we work through the lunar cycle with it so on the new moon you set intentions on the full moon you release and let go the things that are standing in the way of that thing manifesting is there a, an example 
I know you might not have one off the top of your head, but uh, even a hypothetical example of someone going through that process, do you have one? Uh, like a like intention. A, so, yeah, someone said intention. You, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, your intention could be I, um, <laughs> I am an author on the New York Times bestseller list. Okay, so that's your intention. Now, that for me is quite a big step from where I am. Yeah. You know, it's kind of up here. But there are all these little tiny baby steps that I can actually be taking on the way to get here. So the first thing is saying, okay, so are my day-to-day thoughts aligned with being this author? And I would say mostly now, yes, but in 2021, not so much, not so much, because I was like, I love isn't doing well. I'm a one-hit wonder, blah, 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 all that internal dialogue, where now I'm sort of like, We've learned lessons from higher love. We're doing things differently now. You're trying fiction, you know, so I can say, yeah, my thoughts are aligned with that. How's it going to feel when I make it onto the New York Times bestsellers list? Well, I'm going to feel really successful. I'm going to feel abundant, hopefully. There might be a sense of freedom that comes with that. Can I start introducing those feelings into my life right now? Um, action. What are the action steps I can take to get on the New York Times bestsellers list? Well, definitely to keep writing because the only way I'm going to get there is if I write more books. So doing that and then asking myself what limiting beliefs are standing in the way of you reaching that and do you think you're worthy of it and do you think you're deserving of it? And I do. I do think all those things. So yes, I would say yeah. So that's like a really fast process of getting you there. But you can See how really it's not just, oh, thinking positive thoughts will get you what you want, which was how, you know, manifestation was sold for a really long time. But it's so much more than that. Um, And understanding, understanding that is the first step. So it's like negative thoughts aren't a bad thing as long as you can recognize what they are and choose better ones. Yeah. It's almost all keeping your eyes on, on the goal as well, because yeah. It's, it's, it's basically the same manifestation, but as you say that, I'm thinking, well, okay, you're being positive, but you've set yourself a goal. You've, you've then made an actual plan by having small steps to get there. You've then yeah. kept yourself in a positive mindset. Anything that's came in, that, get rid of that. Do I believe in myself? Yes, I do. I can do this. And then you've took action. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. Super practical, yeah. not woo-woo in the slightest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it also reminded me of like visualization as you were talking through that, but then as I was thinking while you were speaking, I think well, visualization, which some people put that their success down to that, but it sounds to me it's probably visualization is a part of the equation that you're doing, but not the be all and end all. Because yeah. I was also thinking of musicians as well. If you think of like even the best bands in the world, like the Beatles, whoever in the sync, oh, they're an amazing band. They've they probably made five times more music than than the actual. Well, I mean. There may be different because they've got so many hits, but you know they have a lot of music that never made it. No one probably knows, but you don't stop at that, you know. Um, and David Bowie, you know, turned out an amazing album just before he passed, which people say arguably was probably his best one. You know, forty years on from his first one, kind of thing. So yeah, I think there's a great lesson in that, you know, that um, continue continue writing or continue whatever it is that you're doing to, you know, to get that success that you you go for. Um, and I also thought one thing I'm going to take as an action off the back of this is I used to years ago put things on my wall, you know, in the office, like, and some of them were like, you know, go to the Olympics, which I'm still not done. But 
<laughs> uh, hold on, you don't mean compete in the Olympics, do you? <laughs> no. <laughs> I was going to say, mate, come on. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a bit late, bit late for that. Yeah. Bit late. Maybe bobsleigh or something like that. I don't know. Or, or what's that curling one? I think you're like, you know. Ah, cur- curling, that's it. That. Yeah, I could do it. So a little still brush, time. just going for that. <laughs> still have time for my curling career. But uh, the good thing about those things was if they're, if they're just there, you don't have to tap into them every day, but they're just there. And now that we go digital, like you don't like, there's no cork board anymore. Do you know mm. that kind of way? And I used to do the uh, bucket list, you know, but it wasn't really, it was more just like a goal list, not because to do them before I die kind of thing. But there was a lot of stuff on there that like going to a Grand Prix for a Formula One was on there. And now I've been to two of them, you know, so kind of doubled that achievement, you know, so I, I'm taking one action. I'm going to put a fucking cork board. Yeah. Up. My as wallet. long as you know so vision vision boards which essentially is what that is is also a big part of manifestation for some people but as long as you are using the other parts of the equation in that and not just yeah. looking at it every day and your thoughts are sort of giving you uh, a different picture and you're not taking any action steps towards getting to the grand prix and you know what i mean so it's like mm-hmm. you can see it but you've got to be able to really embody it as well yeah, I think breaking it up with, again, a vision board, again, is a great example, a great idea for anyone who's very visual. But then, like you said, if you've got 20 things on that corkboard, then you lose. It's impossible to have those other parts of the equation. You can't then have all these actionable steps to do every single one of them because then you yeah. get overwhelmed. You, then, you, then there's no action because you're so overwhelmed. Mm. So, I mean, having it to be a, like a, a macro view, but then you have to bring it all the way back to the micro to go, right, I'm picking one. Let's get to the actionable part and let's get to the faith part, etc. That's pretty good. I like it. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, putting up your equation is definitely going to help. And then even with those some of those actions, they might necessarily be a one-year thing or a two-year thing. Like the Olympics could be a lifelong one, which could be, you know, once I get there before I... Once you get back into training. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but at the same time, Gary, like to your point, like I've had down there like learn to swim. That's been on my list for like a long, long time. And I, I have generally tried a few times, but I'm not quite fully there yet. But... I, I know what you mean. Sometimes they roll and then they roll and then they roll. And if they roll like that, then year by year, they kind of take away. And then it just becomes harder because you're like, oh my God, I still have that thing. It's still hanging around in your head rather than that end of moon cycle that you mentioned where you just let go and you move on, you know? Just, uh, I think the, the last part, what I talk about, um, Jordana, just a podcast. I know, again, people listening, you've got a few things of the books, the podcasts. So it'd be cool to hear a little bit about the podcast as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she who must do a million things all at once. Yes. So <laughs> I have a podcast called Luna Lover, which is a, uh, it's a fortnightly podcast because it comes out on the full moon and the new moon. Um, and it basically just talks people through the energy of that particular moon um, and what they can expect and some sort of things that they can do. Um, and that's the, really that podcast is about supporting the Lunar Lover membership. So, you know, people listen to the podcast for free, but if they want to become a member, they get all this other stuff that sort of goes with it. So they get um, access to an online moon circle and journal prompts and meditations and yoga classes and all this sort of stuff. Um, My other podcast is called Talk Wordy to Me, and it's a book podcast. I basically talk to writers, authors about books. Um, There's lots of book 
reviews and recommendations on there and that's just a bit of fun I did one season of that I've had to take a bit of a break while I'm writing because it's a lot it's a lot of prep work because I've got to read the books before I interview the authors um but hopefully we'll get back to that season two in the not too distant future amazing yeah Yeah. brilliant superb yeah it's nice interesting how did yeah I was gonna say well it's just good about the different mediums again I already kind of manifesting like a book around all the learnings we're getting and trying to collate that and putting it out there because not, you know, different mediums have different things, you know, different outcomes from different people. And so, yeah, doing, you know, so I know it's not, I'm not also saying like do everything and hopefully one of them sticks, but yeah, I think, (laughs) (laughs) I think once they relate into each other, like hopefully like what our goal with this podcast is just to get people into the conversation initially it's not the answer to whatever anyone that's listening to the show is looking for, but that's where they go to see a professional or, you know, read that book, you know, that's the next phase. So yeah, I think you can play a role at various parts of those journeys for people, which is, which is awesome. Yeah. Hmm. And then the last bit is we just do this quick fire question thing, which was supposed to be you answer them in 30 seconds. <laughs> it's not quite worked out like that. Happen. <laughs> but imagine, 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 imagine an invisible clock counting down, you know, um, uh, like, like countdown. And there's four questions in total. So we'll kick off with, when are you at your happiest? Um, uh, I haven't gotten off to a very good start. Um, I would Time say... Up. <laughs> I would probably say when I'm in the ocean, I'm at my happiest. Um, that first like dunk of the scalp under the water would probably be my happy place. Cool. Nice. No yeah. better feeling. Uh, out of 10, where do you think the world is currently in terms of mental health awareness? <sighs> Look, I, you know, I, I think the world probably at a five, maybe. But I think little pockets of the world that I exist in, um, it's a lot higher. I feel like it's it's happening in conversations a lot more than it used to. And I think, um, you know, there's leaps and bounds. But on a world scale, I'm not, I'm not really sure. Where do you guys think we're sitting? No one's asked us that. Before. <laughs> yeah. No one's asked us that before. I wasn't prepared for this. <laughs> no, uh, no, what uh, and for the world, I would say, I would say less than five. So I would say, I would say a four mm. for the world. Yeah, okay. yeah, I think if you were to weigh up like all the world, including all yeah. third world countries and everything, the, the number would go way down. I think yeah. a lot of people answer that question thinking the world as in like places they've been or they like, but yeah. yeah. So I, I would say it's actually, yeah, it's probably two or three, probably because like there's some countries where to even say you have any kind of mental health condition, it would be, it's sacrilegious and you're deemed weak and parents don't speak to you and da 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 da. So, um, and then we, like, well, I, let's say, is like, you know, I live in Bondi, which is in a bubble within Sydney, within Australia. And like, I think everyone thinks like we, like people do in Bondi, but it's not the case. Mm. Um, And then I think Australia is probably higher on that list, you know, in terms of awareness. you know, a lot of charities have started here. Like there's some amazing work going on in, in Australia. So it's definitely higher. Um, and then the other question is like, where are you then? If you were to drill down that a little bit further, an Australian person, where are you out of 10 with your own awareness? Um, with my awareness, I would say I'm sitting at a 10 
but I think in terms of like staying on top of it, yeah, I'm, day probably, to day. I'm probably sitting at about having come off a really rough year. I'm probably sitting at about a seven and a half, I would say. That's still good. That's yeah, pretty not solid. Bad. Not bad. Yeah, that's pretty solid. Yeah, good. But I think yeah. I think you nailed it with the word awareness. Like I think having an awareness of it almost brings you the freedom to yep. do something about it. But if you're not conscious of what it is, it can be really scary and really overwhelming. Yeah, I think being a, being, a, being like a, a current four, but you're a 10 awareness is much more powerful than just being a six and you have no awareness of it. Yeah. Definitely. Agreed. Yeah. No, I was just thinking there, sometimes, you know, <laughs> sometimes ignorance is bliss as well you know yes, when you're like la 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 nothing wrong with me. <laughs> <laughs> no um, and then the final question i think we're well over the 30 seconds now if you could recommend one thing for people to do each day to improve their own mental health what would that be oh um i would say like just get outside. I know there's been times where I've been so overwhelmed with anxiety and I feel safer just staying inside in the house. But when I can force myself to either go for a swim or go for a walk or just go and sit in the park, I feel a million times better. So mm. getting fresh air and some sunshine, I think, yeah, definitely. Change scenery, yeah. So, I mean, wrapping up, really, Jordana, um, where can people find more about you, find more about what you do, and obviously get in touch with you? Yeah, well, um, my website, georgianalevine.com, has got everything you need on there. I would say Instagram, but for my mental health, I've actually taken a bit of a break from social media because it was just very overwhelming. But I am on Instagram. Um, my handle is at georgianalevine, um, but I'm not very active on there at the moment. Um, and podcasts are on all your favorite podcast apps and books are in all your favorite bookstores. And just a reminder, make it happen and higher love is the name of those books. And then stay tuned for May. May is the third book. May. Yeah. Make you happen in May. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Love it. Nice. And your website is very, very good. I was, I was very impressed that I was uh, like, thank God. you. Yeah. I got that done last year. It's, it's cool. Yeah. yeah. Very simple. Clean, nice and clean. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very easy to navigate. Yeah, Gary and I might have to steal you or your developer, whoever did that. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, thank you so much for your time. I'm. I, it's funny that we're both in Byron, but in two different places as we I do know. this. <laughs> but it's, with baby, it's like you just got to take your small wins. <laughs> just yeah. getting on the call was a success. So. Yeah. Did you have um, a nice time while you were here, though? Oh yeah, it was, it was amazing. Yeah, we were in the. Del Rainbow stay for a few days. Then we had a house where our friends also had a baby. Then we were in Sunseeker and we got to meet the Nimbus crew. Some of them we haven't met before, the Byron okay. team. And so yeah, it was action-packed, um, ram-packed. But I think now, you know, you get to a point where it's like, I think I'm ready to get back in and get the routine and get all the planning and the manifestation going again. <laughs> I think yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. yeah. Training for Olympics, all the usual stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to watch you. Oh, thank <laughs> you. oh man, you're looking at I cannot wait to watch you. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
That'd be like one of those, you know, those sprinters from the small countries who have never got to Olympics, but they qualify because they're part of a country. And then, you know, I'm a hundred miles behind everyone else. That You're going to have to move country. <laughs> those all clapping you. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, remember Eric the Worm, the swimmer? I'll be yeah. like yeah, the Irish equivalent. Eric the Eel. So, Eric the Eel, that was it. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> Eric the Worm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm swimming my life. Yeah, I don't think worms can swim, can they? That probably says it all. <laughs> hey, excellent. Uh, after um after it's rained here in Byron, we get worms at the bottom of the pool. Oh, do you? Oh, wow. Yeah, they like go. find their way to water in the rain, which is really strange. So could have been Eric the worm. Could have yeah. been Eric the worm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, awesome. Well, look, thanks so much for your time, Jordan. It's been lovely Sorry, to catch up with you. On. Yeah, thanks very much. Excellent. Excellent yeah, stuff. We'll probably put this at, uh, we've just got a few episodes to release of uh, season one. This okay. will be that sort of first episode of season two. Okay, uh, cool. Which will probably, I mean, realistically, what, sorry, like probably the first week of March, we'll probably yeah, release this. Probably a month away, okay. yeah. Well, I'll yeah. be back on Instagram by then. So <laughs> let me know and I'll share it. Yeah, yeah give us a plug. <laughs> yeah, I will. I'll be a plug. Excellent. All right, well, have a lovely weekend. Right. Thanks again. Bye. Yeah. Later. Nice Bye. to meet each other. Don't forget to follow us on all the social media channels, including Instagram and Twitter. And if you do have a topic or a guest or subject that you want us to talk about, please do get in touch and send in your suggestions. Thanks for joining us on today's show. As mentioned at the beginning, if you are struggling with mental health, please do seek further assistance. Here's who you can get support from. Lifeline, Beyond Blue, Fitzier, and the Black Dog Institute.